been three weeks, and I think that is the longest gap we've ever had since starting this podcast in 2015. Am I wrong about that? No, that sounds right to me. Um, yeah, it's good to see you, though. I hadn't seen you in three years. It's been forever, so I, I made the trip to Vegas and made it happen. It was great to see you, Liz. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been a few weeks. Here. Funny, uh, you were just talking about how you took taking notes a couple weeks ago, but it's been so long. Of course, you absent mindedness could, couldn't find the notes before uh, before hitting record here. I couldn't find the notes, and a lot's happened since I started taking the notes. I started scribbling notes on the airplane, on the cross country flight. I'm in LA now. I don't know if you can see this art behind me. It's yeah. like some serious art. Oh, yeah. Staying at Heather's friend's place. Shout out to Herb. Although he probably doesn't want to be mentioned when the stuff that's going to be subsequently said on this podcast is on. But anyway, we're staying at this super nice place. We're in downtown LA and we're here for another week or so before moving yet again and then ending up back in uh, Portugal August 5th. Yeah, man, it was great seeing you in Vegas. And uh, yeah, how's, how's it been back to be back in the States? You went through the long flight. Uh... I'm sure that was fun with the mask for 14 hours and dealing with, uh, with the lay- different layovers and whatnot. But uh, yeah, how, how's the travel been? Wasn't too bad. Tap Portugal didn't really care as much about the mask. Like Sasha's mask was off when she was sleeping and you know they weren't really policing it hardcore. But then Air Canada from Toronto to LA, that was a police state. Let's, let's, let's just get into some sports for now. We'll get into all the police state stuff uh, eventually. <laughs> okay. you know, we'll get into all that. Yeah, yeah, a few few things I dominated in the in the Vegas draft in the football draft. You wouldn't talk about that, no problem. Not only was it clear at the time that I dominated, but I have Daryl Henderson in round eleven as well. So, um, so so that was good. And last night I just sent you the beat Jeff Erickson league. I don't think any. I feel like seven was my high for ever ha- the amount of home runs fantasy baseball teams hit. Maybe one snuck through it. I don't remember, but um, I, I feel like that was my. My record. And I had ten home runs in my beat Jeff Erickson fantasy baseball team last night. Uh, I had eight in the league with you. A lot of probably overlap there, but ten bombs, man. I moved up like sixty spots in the overall. So, so yeah, I'm down to talk some sports, no problem. Yeah, your uh, only good pick was Darrell Henderson. It turns out in that Vegas league. So we do have a hundred bucks on that. Uh, I'm pretty happy with my team also, but that is, that is a nice bonus for you that you just got that. I remember thinking when you drafted him, that was your only good pick. So congratulations, great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Dominate that. That was actually really fun. There were three drafts going at once. And, uh, but it, well, I was when one with you and like Andre Snellings and Allen was in it. So that was a, uh, it was, that was really fun actually just live suddenly doing that in the morning after breakfast. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, talking trash and whatnot. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was good seeing you in Vegas and it was crazy because I hadn't seen anybody in a few years because in 2019 I went to a wedding in France so I didn't go yeah. back to Madison that summer. I don't believe. So I hadn't been back to Madison since 2018 and I hadn't been to Vegas since 2018. So all those guys, I did see Shannon in the FSGA event in like 2019, but like, you know, Jeff, I guess I played paddle tennis with Jeff in 2019. So there are a couple of guys I saw in Schuler, but a lot of the guys I hadn't seen. And, you know, I, I saw Dre in Lisbon. I actually had seen quite a few cause I saw Pete and Dre in Lisbon in 2019, but still have been a couple of years and it was just cool seeing everybody. And, and the feeling I got in Vegas was that everybody was kind of traveling for the first time for the most part and hadn't been out and doing stuff. And then it was a total zoo, right? I mean, Vegas, it was just a huge crowded party. And we're, you know, we were just a small group at one of the casinos, but there's every casino was packed. You and I mm-hmm. went downtown to sign up for the super contest for Circa. So uh, it was good to see. It was, it was nice. I actually really like seeing everybody. And I just think being in person after like being isolated for a couple of years for everybody, I think it did everyone some good. And it was like, it was just good for the company in general. Yeah. That was my first flight in a year and a half or whatever. And man, I, I just discovered a new, uh, new place to fly out of that's much closer to my house. And I was bragging about it, but apparently by one day I missed a flight from hell. That was 17 hour flight. That's just a one hour flight because there was a problem with thunderstorms and, and a layover in LAX and, and on their own looking for hotel rooms. So I narrowly avoided a disaster, but Vegas is you, you said it, man, it's, it's back. We were trying to get, uh, we went to like three or four different restaurant attempts at 10 20 at night on a Monday. And they scoffed at us like, Oh, you don't have a reservation. Oh, please. Like we were like being absurd that we even tried to get a table at 10 20 on a Monday. I mean, the place was packed. I heard, I thought our minimum, t- uh, minimum tables at $25 is a lot, but I heard the win were up to $300 minimum blackjack. So, uh, yeah, Vegas was absolutely packed. Uh, it was back. Um, Lotus of Siam was absolutely delicious. We made that work. We signed up for two, the super contest and the survivor one's going to be hilarious. We had to do that for no other reason than the content. I mean, just us fighting over one pick 
for a thousand dollar entries, it's going to be pretty funny, but, uh, but yeah, it was great times. And, uh, we had an interesting cab ride too. Yeah. Right. That's the title of this podcast. I would have forgotten about that. What is it? How old's the boy? Yeah, before we, he we went it. on a, a diatribe the, the yeah. driver who was this i think he was albanian and he was telling me about albania and all the crazy stuff that had gone down there before that when we first got in the cab he looked at me and then he looked at you and he said how old's the boy and you said uh, i'm 38 sir and i said 22 it's my son and he said yeah, okay yeah. i'm going to tell you this story that's disturbing and he went ahead and told us the story and then he started getting into like albanian politics and stuff cool guy you know, I sometimes feel those guys know more about what's going on than the overeducated but stupid person who just believes, you know, what they're told. So I, I like talking with the cab drivers and, and those yeah, kind of guys you, in Vegas. You got in a legit conversation with them, which was interesting, but I've come full circle, you know, about a decade ago, I moved into a house and the person, the neighbor across the street uh, asked my wife if uh, her or her father needed any help around the house to just ask them. So she, he was under assumption my wife was my daughter. And now, now uh, years later, we're in Vegas and they think I'm your son. Yeah. And not only just your son, but not old enough to hear an R-rated right. story. Apparently right. I'm that young well, looking at 39. So it's yeah. pretty funny, man. Well, let's keep it clear. It wasn't that I looked old. It was that he didn't know you were old enough. That's the difference. Yeah. Right? They, they yeah. didn't think you were 30 and I was 70. They yeah. thought you were 30 and you, that you yeah. were 15 and I was my age. Yeah. So, yeah. How was Catch? How was the restaurant that I missed the night that we tried to get in before? How was it? It, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And, and the dinner was set up really nice. Uh, Shoe's wife, Melissa, like set it up. And it was, it was salmon and steak. And there's all this gluten stuff that I couldn't eat. But some sushi and some shrimp. So it was good. But I have to say... I did not like their attitude, the nasty hostess there with all those open tables making us wait full, even though they're open tables. And I get this all the time in Vegas, all the time, where you go to a restaurant and there's plainly tons of space and they make you wait or they say it's full. And I think the idea is that Vegas is such a, it's such a scene. It's such a, oh, I'm a cool person. It's like, if you don't look cool, and we obviously don't look cool, mm -hmm. uh, they, they look at you and they say, we're going to make you think that this is an exclusive place and not just let you in. If we just let any nutless monkey in, then it'll lose its cachet. But of course, when you're not a teenager, uh, you don't care about that. You just want some food and to sit down. And if they play games with you like that, you know, the response is basically like, fuck you, I'm not eating there. And that's what we did. We went back to the, uh, what was that place we went twice that was pretty good? Yeah, I forget the name of it, but yeah, there's always going to be another option. You're in Las Vegas, so it was I mean, pretty yeah, good. Was uh, and yeah. and then and then of course Lotus Society, Julian, something Julian, 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 and that was good. That was very solid. But I wanted to mix it up and get something else. You know, maybe get a full steak. And so the next night, little did they know, I didn't even realize at the time, like we had rented out the whole place. So, oh, nice. The food at Catch is okay. I wouldn't pay the prices for it, and I definitely have a little bit of a beef with it because of the way that, she, that there were tables there, and she wouldn't just seat us with half an hour left in, uh, with the kitchen open. Vegas is like that. Yeah, Lotus Sam was delicious. Glad Alan got to try it with us. We put some uh, pictures up on, on Twitter. And uh, one of the biggest stories, man, I was, a, if not leader, close to chip leader at poker and had to leave to catch my flight. I was really I'm like, I'm going to have some disappointed family if I don't leave. Now, I ended up having plenty of time. I learned where that airline flies out of, and no one was there at the airport. For it. Uh, I blew it, but it's pretty funny. I finished third place, cashed 80 bucks by just folding the final, whatever, 20 hands, whatever it was, another hour or yeah. whatever. Right. Well, the yeah. reason is that the blind started going way up and everybody else is going crazy. And we just, it was kind of disappointing, but we just quit because everyone wanted to go to the pool. Well, so yeah. uh, Lauren won. She had the most chips. Uh, she got like a third of the pot. You got like a sixth. I got like a 10th of the pot. So we all got okay. a little money. And then the next day, Nutless buggy that you are, you take off. I go down to the Circa downtown before I get on my plane, take a cab all the way there at 845 in the morning and sign us up for that survivor contest, as you alluded to. So we knew we were going to be in the super contest, which we both signed up for the day before. And then I signed up for the survivor contest, which is great because a thousand dollar entry, million dollars if you win. I mean, if we lose week one, we'll just get into a huge fight over it and that'll be that. But if we're like week eight or nine or 10 and we're one of like... 50 people worth 20k each like this is a 20k and you make us go with the team that loses oh that's gonna be the theme of the podcast for like five more years it's gonna be hell to pay so yeah. th this is worth it's worth the investment just for the podcast alone no uh, doubt. to have done that and then but the problem no, but was for, 
first of all, I'm glad we finally signed up together the first time. Did it legit? We have our own proxy, but I'm upset that I didn't get to go to Circa, man. I heard that place is nice and it's new. And, and uh, did you check out the pool while you were there? I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm no. I was, I was, I was okay. like, I have my bags with me. I was going to the yeah. It was it the morning, that, huh? Wasn't yeah. that nice? Didn't seem that nice. Okay. But all right, Morsebook was all right. And so I signed up, and then I was like, okay, well, let me put my partner's name on this so that you know you can collect the million dollars when, of course, we win. And they were like, oh no, no, you have to collect. And I'm like. Uh, I was like, you can't like send me a check or, you know, they're like, no, you got to collect in person. And they're like, well, you can collect next summer or whatever, if you're back next summer. But I'm like, if I have a million dollars, I'm not taking the nine month risk that somehow circuit goes bust or there's a financial collapse or something. I got to fly in and get that check. You know, I, I got to go and just get on the airplane because nine fly months in, fly in for the main event at FBC. Perfect. Just, just make, no, I'm not going to fly in in March. Okay. We're flying in January if we win that No, I'm not waiting two fair. months for all the circuit right, to go to business and okay. get screwed. I'm getting that check. Okay. I'm depositing that check. I'm buying the Bitcoin with it, and that's it. I'm locking that shit away in storage, man. Okay. million fair, dollars. Fair, I'm not going to wait two months. Right. Well, this, I, this let's hope of, we have that of society we, that we're in. Yeah, let's hope we have that problem that you have to jump yeah. on a, on a cross country, across yeah. um, America, across the world flight. But yeah, uh, hopefully it's a quarter way across the whole planet. It's a quarter yeah. way across the planet. Okay. So that's that. I mean, it's, you can't go more than halfway across the planet because otherwise you're on the way back. So right. that's fair. That's a good point. It's almost as far as you can go. Anyway, yeah. that was that. Vegas was fun. It was good seeing everybody. Oh yeah. yeah. It was, it was so much fun. Yeah. We didn't do much gambling. Uh, did you play any poker at all? I mean, otherwise, like, did you, did you, uh, you know, at the casinos? No, I lost a hundred no. bucks. I was sitting with you. I lost a hundred bucks on some bullshit long 21. The dealer yeah. got, and then you wanted to waste another hundred dollars of my money, uh, your last night there after we had a couple of drinks and I just went and stacked a hundred dollars in sats. You saw me do it. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to pay a hundred here. Watch this. And I bought a hundred dollars at the sats. Yeah, so that is true. That that's is that's true. how a real man does it. Yeah. No, no, real, no, man, was, real man spends it on blackjack. He never stacks. Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't do much blackjack. One, one, one of the bucks game bet on the bucks a little, but, um, didn't even do the home run derby, but uh, yeah, anyway, good times. Really uh, glad to see you, man. Uh, last minute thing. I stayed two nights, not three, but, uh, hopefully next year it's back to normal. And we also have like a live draft with Evans and, and company too, but, um, uh, with the high stakes league, but that was fun. We still did that this time too. Ate good food. So yeah, I'm glad I, I'm glad I made it happen. It was a great trip. It was really, I was very satisfied. I felt like seeing you, seeing uh, Meet Seslowski, hanging out with uh, Dre uh, for the first time in a while, those guys and all the RotoWire guys. Um, it was great. All right. So let's talk a little baseball. So you, I, I noticed you crept back up. You were slipping in our beat, in the beat Christmas baseball leagues. And now you're back in the top 25 in both. And what, how are you doing the beat Jeff Erickson? Where are you, where are you there? Yeah, let's take a look. I'm uh 18th in one of yours, 29th in the other, and uh, about 62nd in Jeff's. But Jeff's, I was like 120th as of yesterday. I had a huge, like I said, the huge day, 10 homers. So unfortunately, Jeff's, I'm only 62nd overall, but top uh, top 30 in in yours. (laughs) If you finish one, two, three in this, do you get some sort of extra bonus? Does Greg have to pay you like, you know, 20% of the company? I mean, one, two, three is not possible. It's like an order. Real man goes one, two, three. If you get one, two, three, get the exacta. The one that I'm in 18th overall, I have Bauer was my first round pick. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's not helpful. I believe the person that was leading it at Bauer too, that Jeff had on his podcast too. So I don't think he's going to play again this year. So uh, that's, that's obviously, and I have a lot of Bieber. So, and I have a lot of glass now, so it's kind of weird, but yeah, hanging in there, the offense is picking it up. Um, yeah. I, my, my baseball year, mid, you know, July 21st year, uh, league of leagues. Um, I'm doing really well. The barf league, uh, we're doing well in league of leagues. I mean, we're doing well in league of leagues. Right. Right. Oh, we had acres in that league. That's frustrating. Ah, acres. Barkley and uh, Elliot still, but but we did have acres, but anyway, so baseball year is going, it continues to do, do pretty well. I'm I'm winning the main event league too, in top 50 and one of those too. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. How about you doing? What are you doing? I know you're in second in one of ours. I'm in second. I liked when you were slipping because I thought I could maybe catch you, you know, for that 500 bucks. But, you know, I, that seems really good, but it's really top heavy. I've got like Tatis, Otani, Medals, and I had Schwarber who's going absolutely insane. Um, I had Kershaw's hurt, but I have Scherzer, Trevor Rogers, Alex Wood. I got a lot of good players on that team, but I've got a lot of like my back end is weak. Like I've got a lot of scrubs on that team too that I've been mixing and matching with. And then the main event, like Soto Glaber and, and Johan Moncada are starting to hit, but Kershaw got hurt. Right. And I have my two best pitchers were Kershaw and Snell. 
So like, I just could not afford a Kershaw injury. I just, that was the one thing I, that was the one guy that as my hitting is now coming up a little bit, my pitching's falling apart. So I think that one's dead. We'll see. I'll keep making moves. No, I'm not having a great baseball. I'm still in first and tout sort of wire to wire. Um, and I picked up all these guys on the DL cause everybody kept dropping guys. So ostensibly, and we'll see who comes back. I've got Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Yasmani Grandal, Tyler glass. Now Chris sale and Luis Severino coming back in an AL only league in which I'm in first place. So right. hopefully uh, a couple of those guys come back. Good segue here. I'm curious your thoughts on injured players. Cause I got some shit on Twitter for a bid, which what else is new? I've always overbid. Um, but in the redraft league, the one that we did with Jeff drafted for your team, uh, Rob Silver's in. So there's more fab available because it was in the middle right, of the year of the draft. Um, Corey Seager and Buxton were both available and I bid 250 on both. Uh, not even close to either, by the way, it was off on, on both ways. So Seager went for like 440. I get it. He's due back like this week, possibly, but he was not doing that well. There was also like DD Gregorius was available, which is almost a similar player. Um, and Buxton, this, this runner up was like $12 or something. Right. So, so everyone, they asked me on Twitter, you know, like, well, I'm just curious, whatever. I'm like, well, theoretically, what would six weeks of a first round player be? I don't know. I think that'd be worth 250. Of course, that's begging the question that Buxton's going to continue to be that. But the bad X projects 12 homers, six steals, uh, 140 WRC plus in 44 games, 44 games. So that's six weeks. Right. So I don't know. Is that crazy for me? To, I mean, there's no IL spots. You get it, the 12. But I feel like a real difference maker, six weeks worth. I'm okay with it. And, and it's the, I, the league is dumb, not bidding higher, not me being dumb by winning the bid by two fifty. but obviously I'm a little biased. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's right. I think your analysis is spot on, except that when Buxton comes back for two weeks and gets hurt again, that's the only flaw in that. Right. But no, I, I think that's right. I think people are way too passive in general uh, about free agent bidding. And in town, I always spend all my money. I was getting these guys for like 10th of my budget and nobody even bids on certain guys. And I'm always surprised, you know, one year I won it cause I took Carlos Correa went from double A to triple A in June, his rookie year. And I just bid all my money on it. There was no bid. Nobody cared. And of course he had like, you know, 2014 or 2012, the rest of the way with 290 average. And I won the league and I, I don't, I can't explain that why nobody's interested in top prospect going from double A to triple A or what the, what the reason for that is. And even the NFBC, I, I do think people are more passive than they should be until it's just so obvious, right? Like that guy gets named the closer on a good team or they call up, you know, Alec Manoa and, you know, just, okay, he's, he's up. It's time to, uh, to bid on him. But when there's something that's uncertain, like the guy hasn't come back yet, I think people are way too timid. I do think that's where you make your money is going in a couple of weeks early or before it's, it's clear. And sometimes you, you know, you miss, you know, you get him and he's not ready or he has a setback and that's fine. But on balance, I do think it's better to be aggressive. And, and the, the other reason is that the earlier you do it, you should spend 75% of your money by mid season because it's not symmetrical, right? If you get a guy in May 1st, you get him for five months. If you get a guy in August 1st, you get him for two months. So you should spend most of your money early. I also have Lindor in that league. So maybe it'll prove disastrous to try to hold too many injured players, but that's my thinking, man. I mean, to just get the guy, I mean, Buxton was literally hitting like a top five hitter, I mean, right. whatever. So, I mean, maybe he won't keep that up, but obviously he'll get hurt. But one thing I have learned this year is there's not a fantasy player on earth that would benefit from Vickery more than me. I've never even been in one of those leagues, but hearing right. about that, I'm telling you, I would love it. Doesn't do that anymore. It doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> they don't even do that anymore. Okay. No. All right. Okay. That, that, that sounds perfect for me because I'm always overbidding, man. Just, just constantly. But uh, yeah. although that I, would, I'll tell you the last eight weeks in, in NFPC, I haven't seen anyone going that's been worthwhile. I'm sure it'll change quickly, but it's been a nice eight, nine, 10 week run of, I haven't, of, of, of dog shit. It seems like to me on the waiver wire. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, just little strategic picks here and there. All right, let's talk a little football. So Acres goes down. I don't want to dwell too much on that because it's just like 24-7 XM, Acres, 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 Acres. Like, okay, we get it. Darrell Henderson, fine. It's just funny, though. Like, I remember I was not on Acres. I mean, I would have taken him at, you know, whatever, the end of the first round, maybe, if, if I had a pick there. I'm not, I wasn't against him. But I just wasn't a guy I was thinking about. And people are so on him and like this kind of stuff happens regardless. Like, it's like, okay, well that just didn't even happen this year. It's not even happening. It's not even a, a question. We're never gonna get the answer to this, but I don't know. Like, was it, was it a sharp pick to take acres? It's just bad luck. Or are there guys like Zeke who this doesn't happen to? Are there yeah, players yeah. that this just, they're not going to just tear their Achilles in preseason because they're going to be more aware of their body in space and they're just not going to land funny. Uh, or they don't have, 
that kind of accidental freak injury? Is that yeah. just sort of yeah. just saying, well, it hasn't happened yet. So we're pretending like it couldn't have happened or is that, or is there a quality to certain players where they don't just get injured that easily? Yeah. Even coming from someone who doesn't care about proving it, I don't care about that. I always rank uh, rookies high, but there, there's something to that. Uh, absolutely. I, I ranked acres very aggressively. I, I believe McBay did love him and I loved the system, the setup, the Stafford. He was in for a big year if he stayed healthy, but I absolutely think there is something to just can that person's body do that in the NFL season. He's never even done it at all. So that is the thing is physically like, and we've seen the players and then you worry when they get too high. So there's that perfect sweet spot that it's tough, but yes, there's something to the fact of me ranking someone too high. Who's absolutely never done it. So we don't even know if he's physically capable of doing it, let alone just up to the cha- other challenges. So yeah, I don't know if I said that very well, but there's something to what, what you're saying. Absolutely. There's something to that, to the cost there. That's tough to quantify. should we be moving up Derrick Henry instead of down? Like he's had this 800 carries in two years, but it's like that guy's a beast. He takes care of it. No problem. He's not hurt. I forget who tweeted this, but someone uh, probably in the industry said something about how like since entering the league, Zeke is like 300 or 400 more touches than than Elliot. I'm sorry. Then, then, then Henry. And it's like, Oh, well, what, how do you look at that? Is that, who is that benefit for? Because that means Henry's gone way heavier recently, right? But, but I think Zeke's Zeke, more I think receptions, Zeke is, but I mean, it's a weird way to frame it. I think Zeke is just the perfect profile of a durable back and I'll jinx it. I even have a share. I will jinx this right now because I'm so confident he's, he's five, 10, five, 11, or something like that. Perfect stout build and hasn't gotten hurt seriously at all. And he's had a big workload, but not the massive Henry workload. To me, he's like one of those pitchers that's like every year throwing 210, 215 innings, uh, doesn't throw 99, throws more like 95. And it's just, you know, you never know. Anyone can get hurt. But it's just the perfect durability guy among among everybody. Like, I just think that he's got enough, enough proof that he can handle it, that he's physically suited to the task. And yet he hasn't been overworked. And he hasn't missed time. Yeah. Didn't play into the, uh, the, the postseason last year, uh, kind of had a down year. So showed up shredded all the pictures that say he's looked dedicated and in the best shape he ever has. Um, they get both their starting tackles back, not to mention Dak Prescott. So yeah, I think the setup's so good. Even if he's not a real life, uh, NFL, one of the five best backs in fantasy, he's easy three. He's going that way too. I did my first OC, uh, last week and had the fourth pick and he went third. Um, so who'd you take so Camara? I took Taylor. Uh, I took Taylor. I know. I mean, it's, I'm it's back a in on Camara. I know, I know. all he does Camara. is catch the ball. I know he gets 80 plus catches like every single year. I know it's uh, I, I, I know I, I, I moved, I was a little too low on Camara, but I still stuck with Taylor, but absolutely. I felt better. I was like upset when, when Elliot went in, in front of me real quickly on Daryl Henderson, another guy who's never done it. Um, and was even injured, uh, in, during OTAs of this mysterious injury, but I moved him to the head of a tier that, you know, the, among the Montgomery's Dobbins, Sanders, Gaskins, Dondre Swift, because he's taken over a situation. None of us can even name their backup right now. And he's the career leader in college football history, yards per carry PFS highest graded runner over the first month last year. So the reasons I love acres, there you go. If a reasonable facsimile to overtakes that role, I moved him right up to my RB 15, but again, that's a risk. And he's, I mean, he's never done it. So yeah, I'm at 19, but I, I think the difference between him and acres acres would be like 11 or whatever. I think the difference is, is only one thing. We knew acres. We didn't know, but we were pretty sure acres was the we guy McVay. McVay. and we don't know that Henderson's the guy, but if we knew that they weren't going to bring in anybody or if they bring in whoever it is, which they might is going to be just, you know, a backup and that they were committed to Henderson the way they seem to be committed to acres in the second half last year. What's the difference? I don't see any difference. What's the difference between Akers and, and Henderson? None. Henderson could be just as good. So the only difference is that we had more evidence that McVeigh was committed to Akers than we do to Henderson. But in the event that McVeigh is equally committed to Henderson, which he might be, because whoever they bring in isn't going to be some kind of stud, you just sub in one for the other. It's only the uncertainty. It's not anything about Henderson per se. I have no idea if Henderson or Akers is better. <laughs> the, the Rams probably like Akers, but to me it's like, 55, 45, 58, 42, that acres would be a better player than Henderson. Well, how would I know? And, and I don't even know if the Rams know. 
And Akers played through that uh, badly sprained ankle or something in the playoffs. It's like, oh, that showed he was tough at all. Maybe it's also a sign you should have been like, oh, his body can't take a workload of the NFL, the beating. And I, I don't know. It's weird. But I, I Anderson will fall in that in that running back dead zone, as they call it there. And I personally used to be like, I, I'll get three or four straight backs. I have been more willing to, to draft a Josh Allen or certainly Darren Waller as we did in Vegas, both of them or a Ridley in round two. I've been less uh, dogmatic and just stringent on grading the, the backs early personally. So I feel like that's been a safer route than me. Yeah, it's great when you hit the upside guys. And like, I know, uh, you know, like Henderson is a great example of that. Um, but obviously a lot of unknowns and risk. Yeah. So I was talking about it with Jeff the other day, but like I want a running back with my first pick. There's no way I'm not getting a running back with my first pick because I can. Yes. But in round two, like after CEH at 12 or whatever it is, I'm on, I'm on those receivers. Like there's no reason for me to take Joe Mixon over DeAndre Hopkins. I'm just not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason I'm going to take if Gibson's toe were better, I would I would do it. But like with a bad toe, I'm I'm just going to take one of those absolute stud receivers. And I'm not going to dip back into that running back pool again until uh, at least Justin Jefferson, who's like my number nine, or or McLaurin, you know, he's my number eight. Until those guys are gone, I'm not going back into the running backs. And then once those guys are gone, I'm happy to take the running backs. But then I've got to think about, as you said, Waller, Kittle, quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes. I got to think about those guys. So I, I don't really care. Like I, I want one of the top running backs with my first pick, but then I will have a weird draft where I take a tight end and a QB early. Yeah. I love Dak a lot this year too, but yeah, absolutely. Round one, I really still can't see myself in any circumstance, not taking a running back. So yeah, you just want one of those, one of those beasts, you know, basically there's only about 10 of them or, or so. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. Then it's, it's wide open. I, I I'm, I'm all for any strategy after that, but I do think it's, I don't know. I do think it's tough to, to try the full zero RB, but I mean, obviously Sean Siegel's a baller and wins with it consistently. So um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting, a lot of running backs get pushed up. Like I love AJ Dillon and I'll be the one aggressive with him, but Daryl Henderson and Alexander Madison, those guys are, are relatively cheap. People love Pollard, but um, it'll probably rotate differently, but there's high upside backups. that's still available in rounds 11, 12, 13. Yeah. I don't love, like Madison and Pollard. I don't think those guys would be as good as the starter. Like, I don't think Madison would be anywhere near as good as cook if cook got hurt. So not only are you hoping that Madison gets all the work, which he might or might not, he's definitely the number two, but he might not get all the work, but I don't think he's as good. So when people are like, Oh, you got a handcuff. It's like, it's gotta be where that second guy is as good or 90% is good. If he's only like 70% is good. Well, so what? Like, let's say you had Christian McCaffrey, you got Mike Davis. Well, for five games, you were okay. Like he, you survived like by week six on, it was pointless. Like you, you were done. So I, I kind of feel like don't handcuff. I mean, take other people's backups just cause that can help you, but there's no point in playing defense when the defense doesn't even work. Yeah, I'll push a little bit back on Madison. Um, I know he struggled that one game and blew it when everyone used him last year, but and they did not use him in the passing game nearly like they did Cook, but they were down 20 to nothing at halftime. Mike Boone's gone now. They're getting uh, Daniel Hunter back on defense. I like. I actually like their setup to win that division. So Cook's always hurt, too. I mean, he always misses two games. Yeah. Sorry, two, and three, it, games. It 314 and, carries in 14 games. So he got a Derrick Henry workload like on a per-game basis. And it's also tough to look as good as your starter when it is Dalvin Cook, who is really, really good. But yeah, that's I would what push I mean. back on, on that. I, I think Madison's in a good situation, so I think he'd be and get eighty percent of it. But may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, let's go pick by pick uh, in this uh, Vegas draft. See who. Let's see who the audience prefers because your team's garbage. You did get lucky with the Henderson pick, but so you took Najee Harris at pick eight. Okay, I took Nick Chubb. Who wins that? I, I yeah. give myself a slight edge. Yeah, well, obviously, but uh, yeah, and, and, and no, no PPR at yeah. all. Remember that, and that's I, I could see Chubb there. Uh, Alvin Kamara falling to number nine is kind of funny here, but uh, no. yeah, I went with a rookie, uh, rookie with my first. Yeah, it was non PPR. Way yeah. back, I take Metcalf. You take Ridley again. Non PPR, you got to give it to Metcalf, right? No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, he gets to catch so many touchdowns, but I mean, the yards are going to. You're underrating Ridley, I guess. I mean, the foot surgery, maybe I'm underrating, but I think Ridley's going to be. Just you got a guy crazy. coming off foot surgery. I got a guy who's 6'4, 230, runs a 4 3 3. And now he has like gets a, the most a, end zone targets in a non PPR. Uh, Matt Ryan now has, indoors, no Julio Jones, and now suddenly he's going to be running a ton more play action with Arthur Smith and a brilliant, brilliant offensive mind in on Ridley, man. I'll happily do Ridley versus DK bet. Okay. It, Ridley versus Metcalf, non PPR. Yeah, I guess I should. Yeah, I guess I have to at this point. Sure. Yeah. 
Okay, 50 bucks. Okay. Yeah, e- okay. Email me. Email me. Okay. All right. All right. Kittle versus Waller. Uh, I think that's a, a toss up in non PPR. I like Waller better in PPR. Uh, Kittle is a, more of a big play guy. Okay. Next round, CeeDee Lamb versus Josh Allen. I mean, the different positions. So it's hard to really say that. You wanted CeeDee Lamb, though, and I snaked him only because you wanted him. Otherwise, I might have I might have taken Cup, but I took CeeDee Lamb just to bother you. Next round, you get Ayuk. I got Chark. I think that's close. Uh, round after that, I get Trey Sermon. You got Robbie Anderson. I crushed you on that pick, obviously. You get Mostert in the next round thinking I wanted him. I didn't. I get Antonio Brown, one of the greatest receivers of all time. Way back, I get A.J. Dillon. Steal him from you again. You get Michael Carter, a Jet. Miko Hardman may be the number two receiver on the Chiefs. I was talking about this on this uh, Iowa radio show today because the, the host is a Chiefs fan. Scott Unash, the Chiefs, Chiefs fan. And he was like, what do you think of me, Cole Hardman? I said, I don't know if that guy's good at football. I, I, I know he's fast. I know he should have an opportunity. But are they going to use like Byron Pringle ahead of him? Well, I, I know no one knows that, but that's why he's dropping, uh, literally led the NFL in yards per target since he's entered the league. Sure. And he entered raw. And he All they do Patrick is throw Mahomes. like 50 yard yeah, passes to him. Patrick Mahomes throwing to him and Sammy yeah. Watkins is gone and Travis Kelsey's 33. I mean, and, and Tyree Kill's 5916. I mean, what the setup? I mean, he's just glaring to me like the one guy that could just win it for you as a receiver later in draft. So love Hardman. I, I get it. He might suck. If he can even he play receiver, suck. you know, like right, Evan Ingram right. is like 6'4, 240, he runs a 4'4, yep. four, four, but he sucks. You know, it's like you, you look at the, you're like, he should be good, but he's yeah, not. That's fair. That's fair. But the buzz is he's, he's learning the small stuff and it's year three and all that stuff. But well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I bet you him versus Corey Davis already. So yeah, we, we, we spoke on that one. Yeah. All right. Oh, we did. I forgot about that. Did we write yeah. that down? No. Did we email? Oh, that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All, right. all right. Anyway, who cares about that stupid $20 draft, but you can be, what about round 11 when I got Daryl Henderson and you got a tight end? Yeah. I got Tyler Higby, man. I think they're going to give Tyler Higby the goal line carries now. Yeah, I got Trey Lance late, an absolute steal. Um, I really like Darren Waller. I have him ranked ahead of Kelsey. He's just, there's, I mean, they have no Aguilar. They're in, but he's more PPR. And like, Carr sucks. He doesn't get as many touchdowns as he should. Yeah, he did score way, I mean, he scored as many touchdowns. He was like, they had identical second halves last year, Kelsey and, and Waller. And, yeah. um, I don't know the targets. I hear you with the touchdowns, but uh, Waller picked it up last year. Josh Allen in round four. I don't know. I offered to bet you, uh, I gave you a higher amount and you, 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 you nutless, nutless monkey did, but um, what, what are you talking about? What, what, uh, I said, let's bet a grand on this or something. And you're like, no, oh, no, no. a thousand on this, on this yeah, uh, yeah, team that I yeah. drafted without a cheat sheet. Just from yeah, memory. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. true. You did have no cheat sheet. That was pretty, I just, uh, pretty I just sick, made yeah. it up. I'm making up my picks. I didn't really miss anybody though. There's nothing. I forgot about Mahomes. I think in round three, when I took Kittle, I just forgot that Mahomes, exi- I forgot about the, the, to think about a quarterback, but I, I will know. say Tr- Trey Sermon and AJ Dillon both were like, I was totally sold on, on one and both. And you got him one pick in front of yeah, in, in non PPR. AJ Dillon's going to get like 12 touchdowns with Jordan love as the quarterback. So you didn't, so you didn't uh, no, when I sent you the propaganda on um, urban Meyer calling DJ shark uh, soft, that didn't persuade you in any way afterward. Well, I got Marvin Jones, so okay, okay. You know, I mean, I don't Leviska Chenault. There was some buzz on him, but he's like this gadget guy. I don't know if he's really going to be an outside wide receiver, and so it's like Jones and Chark. I think for that role, either way, I'm set. I got Trevor Lawrence. Okay, yeah, I like Chenault. I think he's the guy. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I he, he was didn't do much last year, and obviously the quarterbacking was terrible. And they try to hand, he had like some extra value because they were handing off to him. But now they've got James Robinson and ETN. It's like, I don't think they need Chenault's gadget handoffs very often now. Yeah. I'm warming up to ETN. Oh, I, I, I should have got him in the third round now. Yeah. I thought he might go to the fourth. I'm just going to take him everywhere now. I don't care. Third round. It's like he could be Camara to, to Robinson's Ingram. I mean, he's faster. He played in college. He got like 50 catches. I just think just take him. It's just one of those things. And if James Robinson gets hurt, if James Robinson pulled the Cam Akers right now, ETN would be like, what, going seventh? I mean, where would he be going right now? Uh, he played with Lawrence in college. He put up video game numbers, man. Yeah. I mean, where would yeah. you be taking him third right now if, if, oh. <laughs> if, if, if James Robinson got hurt? Don't lie. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, yeah. I mean, Robinson's like an undrafted free agent too, right? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't he? I mean, with yeah. a different yeah. regime. I mean, he was good, yeah. but. Yeah. yeah, no, they have, and they have good receivers too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Well, Carl, Carlos Hyde will get 18. Uh, Carlos Hyde might be in the Rams for all we know. They should trade James Robinson to the Rams for like a third. Yeah. Yeah. They should. 
All right. Then that was way too much sports stuff. Yeah, too much sports. So I'd written down a bunch of stuff. I mean, I'm just like, I'm just waiting out the police state, man. I just hope this fever burns out. I feel like this is a true like emperor's new clothes situation. Like I'm in downtown LA. There are a lot of homeless people in downtown LA. Every overpass, every underpass, there's tents everywhere. I mean, LA is just homeless city. And like, it's horrible, but like, I don't see any corpses, you know, like they're not wearing masks. It's, there's like such a disconnect between, oh, we have to lock down again. The cases are coming up. Like this is an emergency versus just looking at your walking down the street, looking at your window, seeing what's going on. Like you're like, this is not the movie where, as I said, like your cousins died, one of your siblings died, both your parents died, half your colleagues died, half the people in your industry died, many celebrities died, all the rock stars, you know, half the rock stars, the older ones all died. That's just not happening. I, I'm seeing homeless people who are ostensibly have the worst, the worst of it, you know, tough conditions, difficult situation, and they're milling about, you know, as usual, like nobody's even, I don't even see any of them coughing, you know, they're just walking around and you would think like if there was like this deadly plague, if if you had no shelter from it, if you were stuck, why can't people, why isn't this just evident? We were just in Vegas and it was, was a, zoo. Say, coming it back was a right, zoo. I mean, there was a million people. Why isn't there just like a huge epidemic? That was like a week ago. Why aren't like the hospitals overflowing? And remember, everybody comes from everywhere else in the country to Vegas and then goes back. So we all should have grabbed the disease and t- taken it everywhere. I, yeah, I, was, I, I don't yeah. really understand. And, and there was no precautions in Vegas. Let's not kid ourselves. There was zero precautions. There was nothing. There was like maybe 15% of people wearing a mask at most. There, it was all indoors. People were partying. It's the emperor's new clothes. It's like, oh, what an amazing set of clothes he has. Yes, I agree. They're so amazing. It's like, yes, I agree. This is so serious. Oh my God, this is so serious. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying people are sick. There's respiratory illnesses with us all the time. And people do really get sick and die of them. It is a real thing. And it is really tragic if an old person catches a regular cold or a flu or any virus and dies of it. I'm not trying to minimize that at all. That happens. It's a real thing. It's sad. It's a risk. And their people are vulnerable to it. But I don't know, man. This, this, the, the response, oh, we need a lockdown again. You know how severe a lockdown is? It's, it's an interference with your ability to leave your own home when you choose. That, it better be pretty scary outside for, for, you know, for that to be acceptable. You see that a Harvard study was just leaked that it, uh, the lockdowns benef- benefited the top and hurt the small. I mean, Obviously, anyone who's paying attention could see that that was the case, but it was like, I guess, the, the study that set, set out for something, but I don't know if they wanted those results actually out there, but it was clear that who, who benefited and who suffered the worst were the small you know, mom-and-pop businesses. Um, but I, I, yeah, it's weird coming from Las Vegas and seeing the whole world open like that and then hearing on the news that it's the dire straits again and everything's going to be shut down again and, and Los, Los Angeles. Oh yeah. You're in Los Angeles right now, right? They're back to back to mask mandate yesterday, I believe. Right. So it's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it I is mean, I'm used different. to it because Portugal's the same way. There's Matt, you go inside, you're wearing a mask. Oh, I gotta wear my mask again, you know, but it's like, we were just in Vegas in, in a zoo. Right. And like, I've already had COVID. I actually took some ivermectin. I got it prescribed for me just because even though I don't have long COVID or to my knowledge, I don't, I feel fine, but some people had long COVID took ivermectin and it knocked it out. Some people had it. So just in case I had any residual effects, we don't really, you know, COVID's only been around for two years, not even. And so just in case there's any residual thing, I thought like maybe I have, maybe it'll migrate somewhere. You know, a lot of viruses can kind of like come up and be activated and get dormant. So I took it. I, you know, I don't really know anything. I don't know if it's going to do anything, but I took it. So I took some ivermectin. How often do you take that? So my protocol was I took six pills on Monday, sorry, on Sunday, six on Tuesday. And then a week later, I'll take six more. And a week later, I'll take six more. And a week later, I'll take six more. And that's it. Um, And that's sort of a protocol. If you may have had the disease, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, My practitioner told me she, she was like, yeah, just do it this way. This is what you're supposed to do in this situation. Other side effects. Uh, I felt a little tired and off for like a little bit, but nothing. I mean, I'm fine now. I wasn't like worrisome or anything. So, and, and maybe I have a parasite or something, you know, that's what it was originally for is killing parasites. So maybe mm. two, two birds, one stone. And maybe that's why I felt off. Cause there was some die off or something, but who knows, but that was just for a day. 
And I, I've, some people have no side effects at all from it. So I took that just anyway, just in case, and I have some extra just in case some variant busts through or, or a friend of mine is sick. I just felt like get a little extra for that. Yeah, I, I just don't really understand. I don't, I don't understand why people want to control other people. I don't understand why there's a push for censorship. Did you see uh, that 40, 40% of the deaths supposedly are diabetics? Oh, of course. I mean, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's the germ theory and the terrain theory. It's like the germ kills, you know, it's the terrain. If, if the germ has fertile ground to, uh, to spread and, and cause damage. I mean, there, there's treatments, there's a vaccine out there. There's many methods of mitigating this if you want it. And I just don't understand why there's any sort of censorship or totalitarian shutdowns. If you want to uh, advocate for a policy, if you want people to stay home. If you think people should wear masks, you can tell your friend, I think you should wear a mask, Dalton. I think it would be safer for others and for yourself. And here's why. But the idea that I would make you wear a mask is totalitarian. Why should I, it's not my, it's, it's your call, what your risk level is, what your risk tolerance is, not mine. You know, I can wear a mask if I want. I can stay home if I want. I can isolate if I want. I can take medicine if I want, but I'm not going to tell you what to do, right? I mean, I, I can, try to convince you. I can try to show you studies and convince you. To me, the tail risk is that people out of fear are going to allow coercive measures that, you know, once you coerce people to do something and say, you don't have a choice, you have to do this, then you're basically green lighting a situation where what can't they be told to do? If you have to stay home for the greater good, then what's the difference with me saying, I need to take 10% of your wealth, just seize it, because it's an emergency. There's a medical situation out there. There's terrorism. I need to seize 10% of your wealth, an extra tax of 10%. And you're like, well, no, I don't agree to that. It doesn't matter. We're coercing this. I need to seize your home. Your home is needed as an extra medical facility. We need more space for medical facilities. So I'm sorry, you're going to have to find some lodging in the meantime, and I'm going to take your home. Why is that not okay? Once, once they can say, you must do this, you must not do that. They can just tell you what to do. It's not a persuasion. I don't have to convince you. Hey, do you mind lending your home or do you mind wearing a mask? Or do you mind doing this? Then where's the line where they can, where you can say, no, this is my home. And I'm saying, no, this is my body. And I'm saying, no, where's the line. Um, didn't, and isn't France actually going pretty far with using passports? I mean, France is, um, saying you can't, what, go to a restaurant or something or go to a, I don't know, I, I don't even, like, by what authority can they do that? By what authority are they allowed to basically just tell you what, what you're allowed to participate in? And they're not persuading you. They're not saying, listen, it is the government's opinion that because of a pandemic, we believe, we, we encourage you to do this. I think that's totally fair game, right? They, they can encourage of course, you. Right, right. They can, you know, say, here's the guidelines. Here's the public health guidelines. But what's the point of the bill of rights? What's the point of the constitution, free speech and free association and, and the um, right to be free of searches and seizures on your body? What the fourth amendment, what's the point of those? If the government can declare an emergency, even though again, it's not like my cousins and brothers and parents and colleagues and industry, you know, members are dead. They're not, none of them, nobody I know, not a single person. I'm not saying people don't know people, but I don't know a single person. And I probably know several thousand people combined and all, you know, know of, know them, um, not a single person. And yet that is the perpetual emergency they they're using to justify this. The, to me, this, this is an emperor's new clothes. Like, come on, everyone knows this isn't the pandemic of the movies. You can call it what you want, but you know it's not that pandemic where people are dropping dead or that video in China that came out in February of 2020 where those guys were just caulking over mm -hmm. dead that we mm -hmm. thought was coming. Yeah, uh, yes, right. I don't, I don't know where this is going. We were just next. in Vegas, uh, dude. We were just uh, in Vegas. We, there are a million people hanging out partying. The, half of them should be dead in a real pandemic. We should be dead. Why are we not dead? What the hell is going on? The emperor has no clothes, dude. The emperor has no clothes. It's obvious. It's obvious. Was this a perpetual emergency still that we have to listen to the government to tell them all these things that we have a right to do? This is effing crazy. It's crazy. They're, did you not feel gaslighted, everybody? Like, are you feel gaslighted like, oh, no, no, no. This is the, this is the one.
Dude, have you not seen a pandemic movie, a plague movie? Have you not seen what happens to everybody? You go into your house, your friend's house and he's dead. Oh my, you open the door, dead. Open the door, dead. They're all dead. I saw my friend I hadn't seen in two years, my buddy in Venice, my buddy Whitelaw, I'll give him a shout out. I'm like, what's going on, dude? He's like, da, 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 da. it never even occurred to me to be like, oh my God, he could have died of the plague. It never even occurred to me. I knew he was fine. He didn't ask me if I had been sick. Nobody asked. If I, I didn't say, you know, I mean, it just doesn't occur to you to even ask when your player, your pitcher goes on the DL and you're like, oh man. And he's like, oh, with COVID. You're like, oh, thank God. Thank God. Because there's no athlete that's died of COVID, right? I mean, all the thousands of athletes, some of Eduardo Rodriguez had some heart thing that seemed kind of serious. He's fine now. Raquel Armstead took like a year because he had to uh, get better. I mean, there was people who had long COVID or had some complications that that's happened. But I mean, to shut down the world economy and command everything what you can do because of this particular, it's just so crazy. It's crazy. I don't know, man. I, I feel like I, I was seeing some YouTube clips of New York and it's like quietly still really, really shut down. Like all those places just didn't reopen like some bold, busy streets. You would know far better than me if you saw it, but it, it looks totally gone. You know, I don't know. It could be partly that Midtown also like all those businesses, people are working from home, but I don't know. I haven't been in New York. My brother said it was kind of back. Um, mm, that was okay. a couple months ago. I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, I just know LA, LA looks pretty normal. Some people are wearing masks. Some people aren't. Now people are wearing masks inside. A lot of them were not. I was more commenting on the damage already being done than I was uh, yeah. anything other than that. Yeah. But yeah no. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I do hear coming across a lot of the, the, the scare on the news, and it seems like we're headed for, for doom. For, you know. But, like, you can't lock me down. You don't have the right. This has got to go to the Supreme Court. You don't have the right. You, you do not have the authority to tell me to stay home. I understand if there's, like, a temporary emergency, like a terrorist attack, and there's you know, some sort of nuclear dirty bomb or something. And you don't want people walking around in there for like an acute attack or something like that. Okay. Maybe, maybe I might, I probably wouldn't want to walk around anyway in that case, like a year and a half in this situation. I don't know, man, while other States and other places are perfectly open and there's not some sort of huge catastrophe in Texas or Nevada or whatever. They say, oh, Nevada's pretty bad. You'd be surprised. I mean, I was there, man. I just, I didn't see anyone dropping dead or uh, there were no corpses. I wasn't stepping over any corpses. And we went to that place to get a cab, that one place where there could have been corpses there. That place, <laughs> that place you know, yeah. not because of COVID either, because of just down and out because of the. Yeah. You know. We did get lost after, after eating a real hot, spicy, big, gigantic lunch. that they just laughed at that we ordered for just three people. Oh, Me and you got separated from Alan and was walking and for like 30 minutes in the 120 degree weather heat. It was, it was, yeah, it was not, 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 not ideal. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'll stop ranting, but man, it's just like, I, I don't know. I mean, enough's enough, man. I don't know what to say. I just, I don't even know. There's not words for this. It's like, yeah, again, this is a real thing. There are people dying and it is tragic. I'm not denying that there's a virus out there and it, and it does have an effect on people. But like, I, I think the response is harmed or killed more people than the virus actually. And, and the, the fear is more dangerous. It's the real tail risk in this thing. Man, it's continuing for sure. doesn't yeah. seem to be letting up. Um, what else, what else lists, uh, Bezos in space? Uh, yeah, who cares about that dude? Yeah. That jackass. What else? I don't know. This is like dominated. I had a, I had a whole bunch of thoughts and different ideas and stuff. You know, Bitcoin has been down and up and down sort of in this range. I hit the twenties. Yeah. I hit the twenties yesterday. I, it, it doesn't even phase me anymore. I don't think about it. No, I just, I don't even look at the price that often, you know, twice yeah. a day. I used to look at it a lot. When it was going up, I was looking at it all the time. <laughs> No, no. Yeah. I take a four, four year minimum view. And yeah, same here. I don't, I don't look as nearly as much as I used to as well. Fundamentals are good. Inflation is a danger. Yeah. There was a big event. They had some event. I don't know if that happened yet today or something. The, oh, the grayscale or, thing. The yeah, grayscale was going to, I don't remember what that is. Uh, I feel like all that short-term stuff, like, Oh, Elon made this tweet or grayscale is going to do this or that's all kind of noise because it can affect yeah. the short-term price. And if you're a trader, maybe you have to pay attention to that, but I mean, totally. Yeah. Long term, it's the fundamentals. Long term, it's the, you know, the the need for a, a storage vehicle for for wealth that's not subject to seizure in the system. And I just see the fundamentals getting better, and that for that, and the need for it growing.
It totally could be noise. What I was referring to, though, I think today was that Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey. Oh, they're having uh, like a panel. talk. Yeah, yeah like a panel. Like, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, that could. Yeah. So we'll I just don't think Elon Musk is that relevant. And and yeah. I know the Tesla guys will hate this, but I just don't think he's that relevant. Period. I mean, I, he's obviously very famous and has a lot of influence, but I don't know. Bezos is going to space. Other people make electric cars. I, I'm not sure that that it's really the electric electric cars or the space thing that's the thing i think it might be just more the incentives that matter more than the specifics and that's kind of what i was getting under like a twitter thread too like like i don't care what you decide you know what you think is right for yourself or what you think is wrong for yourself or what you prefer that i do or what you prefer that i don't do i think it's not about telling people what the conclusion should be about covid maybe i'm wrong maybe it's more serious than it let on and somehow i'm just missing it even though seems super obvious to me. That's fine. You know, I mean, we, we can disagree on that and you draw your own conclusion about anything. But for me, the, the biggest thing is just sort of the, the, like just realizing like we're all fallible. We all get things wrong. And so I can't make you do anything. You know, I can persuade you in a free society. We persuade each other. You know, I can persuade you to buy Bitcoin. I can persuade you to eat differently. I can persuade you to do anything, but I don't control you. You know, I, I have no, I can't coerce you. Um, and I shouldn't coerce you and, and I shouldn't have the power to coerce you and neither should anybody else. And I just feel like, pe- you know, smart people can differ on their conclusion of what should be done or what the optimal solution is. But I think as soon as you go from persuasion to coercion, you've crossed the line that once you sort of sign up for like, okay, coercion's okay. They can force you to do stuff. Then, then your opinion isn't uh, relevant anymore because people don't need your permission. They don't need your opinion. They don't need your permission. So if you think you can force me to do something because you believe in some policy outcome, um, that means that you could be forced to do something too. And maybe right now something is something that you agree with. So you don't care. Yeah, I'm, I'm for that. But wait till it's something you don't agree with. You know, wait till it's something that you're really against. Once you agree to the principle that the, the, you know, for the greater good or the collective can force you to do something that you are totally against, then you've sort of given up everything because you, you really have nothing to stand on anymore. Once you've agreed to coercion, there's no such thing as rights that you have no foundation to stand on. People can just order you to do anything, literally anything, if it's for the greater good. And trust me, in history, many horrendous things have been proposed for the greater good. And it, and it migrates what the greater good is. It, it changes a lot. So anyway, that's, that's, I just, I, I wish I could think about something else. I wish I could like, get into some other philosophical stuff. But this stuff is just really sort of dominating my, um, yeah. my concerns right now. No, I can tell. Yeah. At Twitter. And, um, yeah, I know you are, you're, you're, you're firing them out there. And, um, no, we, we all appreciate it. Let's you're, 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 yeah, you're fighting the fight and, um, it is good to have your eyes open and, and kind of be aware of what's happening because it's, uh, it's both happily happening subtly, but fast too. And, and you're, you know, it's, 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 yeah, I don't know what happens next but it's not going in, in a direction that, that seemingly seems like you know, great. Yeah. It's, it's not a good thing. And a lot of smart people in my feet are saying it in so many words, like even like these finance people I follow who I respect and some other, it's just like, they're all saying the censorship. People think censorship is okay because misinformation is dangerous. Forget about that. The legacy media is the biggest purveyor of misinformation and all the stories that you and I've gone over that have been debunked, but even they shouldn't be censored in my opinion. Because who's to say, right? Who we're all fallible. You see that David Deutsch paragraph that I uh, there's a David Deutsch is this uh, physicist and he, he mm-hmm. wrote this book and it's like a dialogue. I might have talked about this in the last podcast, but like basically, um, it's a dialogue where I told you Socrates is talking to Hermes and they say, well, if we made a stupid law against saying thieving is encouraged, then everybody would steal everything, and then because of that nobody could have a business because steal it. They would just steal whatever they made and there'd be a really bad situation. And then eventually they'd realize that belief that thieving is good is, is wrong and they would correct it and make it illegal again. But then they said, well, what if instead of that, we said that debate is illegal, uh, questioning is illegal, that, you know, questioning the, the official narrative is illegal, that, you know, anyone who questions will be censored and uh, punished. Well, the problem with that law, unlike the thieving law is that it will never be corrected. Because there's no mechanism, the mechanism for correction is itself criticism, critical thought, saying, no, you know, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't leading to good results. 
And so censorship is the end. It's the end of progress. It's the end of debate. It's the end of science. Science has always been dissenters overthrowing what's provenly true, what's scientific at the time. The earth is, you know, the earth, the earth is the center of the world. The sun revolves around the earth. That was settled science. That was proven. And there were many ways they could prove it. Um, and th- things like that. It was only the, the heretics, the people that said stuff that was disinformation at the time, and they killed Socrates. And got, they, a, and got a lot of pushback, yeah. yeah they yeah. jailed Galileo, they killed Socrates. You, you are not qualified to say what is misinformation. You are not. You, you are qualified to argue that it's, misinf- that it's wrong, that it's incorrect. And you may be wrong in your arguments, but you're certainly qualified to say that it is and to argue it, but you're not qualified to prevent that information from being exchanged between free people. So I don't know, man, I'm rambling a bit, but it's just, it's just this kind of stuff is like, this stuff's been, this has been hashed over in the 20th century, dude. We've been here. We know what this is. This is, this stuff has been, this is uh, well-trod ground. Crazy stuff going on. I I haven't even asked you about the, the FBI's involvement in the government kidnapping plot too. What's going on there. I mean, that, that, that is wild too. It's really crazy because I got into a dialogue with a guy. I won't say his name. He's a nice guy. And he truly believes that the intelligence community and the media has been basically spot on about the 2016, 2020 elections, everything that's been covered, all this stuff. They've been spot on. And he had all his reasons for it. I, I didn't want to argue them. I didn't want to get into you know refuting this point and that point because it's just it's going to go nowhere. And I remember when that you know plot to, to kidnap the governor of Michigan, Whitmer, came up and everyone's like, oh my God, this is horrible and all that. And of course the FBI, and there's also questions about one six, like how many FBI people were involved in one six and to what extent did they foment, you know, that invasion of the Capitol. So this has been documented, like obviously like nine 11 stuff. There was all these terrorist plots that were stopped by the heroic FBI. And then it turned out that the FBI like egged some poor mentally ill guy into buying some fertilizer or something and then ran to arrest and bust him and then claim that they stopped the terrorist attack. It seems like one of those, right? It just seems like another false flag where they created something and then and then stopped it. Yeah, yeah, it appears that way. Yeah, obviously, no one. Yeah, reported far later, and no one's going to see that. Yeah, yeah and that's what I mean. Like the guy that I was dialoguing with, like, still never saw like the the fact that the Mueller report didn't show what it purported, or the whole Carter Page thing, or the whole Klein Smith going to jail for forging, you know, stuff on the Pfizer report. I mean, none of that made it to his awareness that none of that surfaced like to him, you know, the, the justifications for everything were still intact. And I'm sure for a lot of people like COVID's really, you know, the, the Delta variant's going to kill you if you take your mask off, even outside. I'm I'm sure that's, that's still how they're living. I don't know what to do, man. (laughs) I don't know what to, I don't know what else to say. I want to say the magic word, the magic phrasing that'll hit trigger somebody and be like, boom, Wait yeah. Up. Why did I fall for that? I don't understand. <laughs> it's, it's, but I can't say, I don't have the words. I try to be clever. I try to be using history or philosophy or quote Immanuel Kant or quote something that I've known or retweet something that, that strikes me as really um, profound and clever or David Deutsch's little dialogue with Socrates or whatever it is. And I can't do it. I'm not succeeding. You know, maybe I'm succeeding. Like I do get DMS like, thank you for saying it. But mostly those people are already aware. They're just happy. Someone else is thinking the same thing they are. You got Ben Kaufman retweeted one of yours, right? A retweeted, a retweeted. Yeah, the, the right, one. Yeah. Ben Kaufman's yeah. the man. Ben Kaufman's telling the truth. You know, he's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's, he's fighting like, the fight. That guy's like 20 something. And I think he's like a, a developer and he's, isn't beholden to too many other people. Maybe, I don't know, but it's, it's brave of him. The guy's telling the truth as he sees it. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know what to say to people. I, it reminds me of that um, compliance post I had where I quoted from that guy in Germany who said, you know, it's just kind of gradual and each thing led to the next. And if, if what had happened in 1939 was happening in 1933, all the Germans would have revolted, but it didn't. They just slowly, you know, like a frog boiling in water, turned up the heat until it was too far gone. And, and he said, you know, if you tell, you talk to people about it, they're like, oh, you're an alarmist. And he's like, and you are an alarmist because nothing has really happened yet. It's just kind of the heat's being turned up. But that's it's pretty scary, man. It's, I mean, that, we know how that ended. Hopefully because of the internet or because other people are more aware that there are people out there that think like them, that maybe there'll be enough to just sort of let this fever boil over and, and sanity to prevail. But 
I don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah. Good, good, good rants less. Um, yeah, not, not super exciting to think about the future here. Uh, but, um, I think you missed a, a commercial read too. If, if you're oh, to do that. I always <laughs> miss the commercial read. It's such a, it's such a perfect podcast for a commercial read too. I, and I can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. For sure. I guarantee like when the apocalypse comes, like there will be a commercial read for that. Yeah. You know? yeah. So. Um, all right, man. It's great. Hey, again, it is really good seeing you. Yeah, it was and, good uh, seeing you. I don't mean to be, I mean, I am, I'm stressed about this stuff. This bothers me. I mean, it really makes me anxious, but but you know, my personal life's good. I, I like seeing you, I, my friends, I really appreciate them. And, you know, hanging out with you and Alan, smoking those cigars and seeing my guys and my road wire partners. It was great. It was great. And, uh, I'm trying to, uh, enjoy like the company of everybody while this is going on and just sort of hope that it's, it's just a little paranoia on my part. And yeah, I'm not, uh, as worried as you, but I can understand that it's, it's weird though. Like going from experiencing what we did in Vegas and then seeing how the media is treating the world is, is totally different. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's totally, totally different. Yeah. It's a, it's a very strange time. And I think things are going to get weirder before they get more normal. It's my very prediction. Awesome. All right, man. Good talk. All right. Later. Later. Later.